unbreakable, unmistakable, highly capable. Lady that's making loot, a living legend too. Just look at what heaven do. Send us an angel, and I thank you. Irreplaceable, sacrificial, ever loving. There are so many words to describe the essence of a mother. Mothers give of themselves above and beyond anyone can ever imagine. Mothers are the foundation of many families in America and throughout the world. Unfortunately, sometimes they are the only parent representing what should be a two-parent household. I will always believe sons and daughters need both mothers and fathers. Even if the relationship that created the blessing of a child doesn't work out, mothers should receive the emotional help it takes to raise a child. You've heard that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And within that village, there are the sisters, the aunties, the cousins, the nieces, and trusted family friends usually there and available to help that dynamic mom. Mothers always can get a little help, yes? Every year, the second Sunday of each May is Mother's Day. I feel the best way to honor mothers is to speak with some busy working moms who have embodied the timeless quality and uniqueness it takes to love and raise children in this day and age. Today, we highlight three moms who are navigating the new waters of raising children in a post-pandemic world, and one mother who's enjoying the empty nest and understands the joy and pain of unfortunately losing a child. And I hope to close by remembering the woman who raised me and cared for me and helped me to become the voice you've enjoyed for almost two years. Let's get into it, yeah? A mama's love is always timeless. I'm Val The Voice Johnson, and this is a special Mother's Day edition of Interludes. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by Interludes Extra Talk on Tuesdays. Subscribe today to our Interludes YouTube channel and never miss an episode. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Val The Voice Johnson. Our three shining star moms. My name is Carla Paul. I am a social worker. I work with children at this moment, uh, pre-K, 3K to pre-K. I'm married going on 18 years and I have two children. 
one daughter, she is 14 years old, and my son is 12. I am Anita Hill Jones. I have a 16 year old daughter named Anna. That's my daughter. I do have a stepdaughter as well named Jordan. That's, I guess, it. I am an internal medicine physician here in St. Louis area. My name is Michelle Gurley, and I'm office manager slash caterer and receptionist liaison. I have four adult children and I have two adoptive adult children, which means I have 22 grandchildren <laughs> in total. And my husband and I are grandparents of a brand new great grandchild as well. Dr. Anita Hill Jones started as a single mother and then married afterwards. She talks about how those early years relying on her village during this time as she finished up her residency. Yes, it truly takes a village. There's no question about it. So just a little background, the first five years of my daughter's life, I was a single parent. It was definitely challenging, but I loved every moment of being with my child. Being a physician, that was also difficult. Um, it's kind of interesting. A lot of people would say the best time to have a child with there's this thing, either you do it when you're in residency or when you become an attending. For me, because I was a single parent, it was definitely best to be a single parent when I became an attending. As a resident, you're on call every fourth night. So I would, I really didn't have anybody to watch my kid overnight. I did have my, my mom, she's disabled, so she really couldn't help me out with taking care of my daughter by herself. And um, my dad, he was kind of working and doing some uh, you know, other things and stuff. So it was very hard for him to be available all the time. My aunt, she was also disabled, but she was able to help me out a lot. She couldn't take care of my daughter overnight because she had, um, she was doing peritoneal dialysis. And with my daughter being so young, she'd be jumping all over her, you know, peritoneal lines and things like that. So that would not have been good. But I had your mom, I, yes, Aunt Rosie, she helped me out a couple of times with taking care of Anna. And to be honest with you, I had to depend on people from my job. There were a couple of situations where, you know, my daughter, she was sick where she couldn't go to school or she didn't have school and, you know, they had a teacher development day in preschool or something like that. And so I would be stuck. I'm like, okay, I have to go to work. So if I couldn't find family who could take care of her, um, I actually had to depend on people at my job. And there were situations about four different times I actually had to bring my child to work. And the people who worked in my department, they were wonderful. As I would go on the floor taking care of patients, my baby would be in their offices and they would babysit her during those times. So it took a village, not only of family members, but just your social network outside of that as well. People you trust and you know knew that would be careful and very loving to your child. What are the lessons learned in raising a child in New York and what discoveries were made while homeschooling the children during the height of the pandemic. Carla Paul explains. I think for my children, um, a lot of their artistic uh, create or creativity emerged. I would say started during the pandemic because there was absolutely nothing else they could do. We couldn't go outside. There was a period where we couldn't go outside. It wasn't safe or we didn't know what we were dealing with. So we were in the house and Eden started um, 
recording music, making up little uh, songs uh, just for just so she could dance, so she could dance around the house. Um, and my son, uh, you know, he was into um, more at that time electronics. But um, as the pandemic continued and we realized that we wanted to homeschool, I think that's when the children really dived into their artistic interests. And Eden then started making recordings and making music. And we realized, you know what? She really has an ear for music. And it seems like she could do so much more with it. And for my son, he got into animes and, uh, you know, drawing. Now he makes stories. Um, He was always into comic books and things like that. But it's like now he wants to make his own. Um, So I think that being home... I would say, I would say in the way forced them to look at other avenues because they would have been busy going back and forth to school, um, but they were home. So they had the, the time to think through other things. With your occupation, you are required to care for people. What's been the joy and then the challenge in raising your, your daughter, your daughters? Right. Yes. So primarily, especially when I was a single mom, it tell you that call schedule at the place where I worked before Advocate Christ Medical Center, it was intense. I worked as a teaching doctor, so I was a clinical instructor. So I would do call where the residents, they would admit patients overnight. And I would never forget, I think Anna was probably maybe three months old at the time. And I had a call that was intense. I was being paged every hour on the hour. And my daughter was waking up like every two hours. And I'm just like, ah! So that was very challenging, but um, it was great to be able to, you know, be able to give that dialogue with the residents and and I was I remember like by the third or fourth call they were like we're so sorry for waking you up and I'm like you know what I'm already up because my kids been waking me up all night so we're good we're good and so we can have a dialogue of how to treat this patient what was going on with the patient and just giving them some feedback so that has been the reward in that is just being able to be available to kind of help the people behind you. Somebody helped you to get where you are. And now it's my time to pay it forward with the residents that I was teaching. So I enjoyed that and definitely challenging because you're trying to balance your daughter, give her her time, and then trying to give the time to your job as well. So that was challenging, but it was worth it. Carla, you mentioned that you are a social worker Mm-hmm. The challenge of, unfortunately, the pandemic has been hard on all of us, especially children. What mm-hmm. have you noticed in your work as well as your children? How has the pandemic changed the characteristics of children growing up in this um, time? That's a good question. For children, I think uh, because for pre-K, play is the way children learn. Uh, I think the in terms of the environment in schools, it was limited. Um, They couldn't socialize because of social distancing. They couldn't really have the type of environment that we normally encourage teachers to have, like that kind of like that family 
uh, family style eating. They had to stop that. Um, and playing was definitely impacted the creativity um, because they couldn't play with each other. So also even the social skills, um, you know, the problem solving, the, um, you know, learning how to work, you know, share and take turns. They had their own individualized, uh, kind of like their little baggie that they had that they carried around with them. So there was no, they, they didn't fight because they couldn't. And not that they, we want to encourage fighting, but it's those disagreements, right? That mm -hmm. turn taking, they didn't have the opportunity to do that. Even the adults were at a distance. So they didn't really have you know, the same kind of affection either. So I think it definitely affected kids in that sense, the beginning pandemic kids. The the kids that I see now, um, they're a little bit more assertive because they have been home. Some are very independent, almost like little adults. They didn't, they don't play as much. They just, they're, but they're very opinionated. So, um, their their ability to um, work with their peers, cooperative play um, was impacted. Um, also, the way they they deal with their emotions. A lot. Some of the children that we saw a lot of children that were dysregulated, having a lot of meltdowns, oh, wow. easily angered, mm. um, needing a lot more support. Uh, it's difficult to talk them through things. And I won't say it's the majority because there, there are some silver linings for sure. But I do see there's a lot more children that are just frustrated. They didn't, they can't sit still. Um, so it's that's, you know, that ability, they want everything's fast, 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 quick, quick, quick. And maybe because they were home, you know, whoever the caregiver was, was able to attend to them very quickly but these children, they have difficulty waiting or not being seen, you know, like wait your turn, I'll come to you, they'll cry or have a meltdown or get frustrated. Mm. Um, so the coping, their, their ability to, to really regulate their emotions, we have to do a lot more work around that. Mama, you taught me to do the right And now, the working mom with grown children. How did she do it? Michelle Gurley speaks on her life experience and how she loves being a grandmother to her grandchildren. And now you're in, you and your husband are in the stage of enjoying grandchildren and now a great grandbaby. What has been the joy and, and, and love of that? Well, the joy of seeing oh, your lineage you know, your lookalikes and your personality shine through your kids and through their kids. And it's just amazing how DNA works, you know, with personality and looks. And it's so much fun to see uh, what the next generation is into and doing. And I'm learning a lot from this generation, a lot from this generation. Um, I'm glad that we all have the open relationship to talk with each other, each generation. So it's been really interesting, <laughs> interesting and exciting to see how it all is unfolding in our, uh, in our legacy, you know. 
What has been the benefit of being a parent of four? And you mentioned that you took on two kids yourself uh, that were friends of yours. What, what's been that benefit of raising those children? Because all of your children are grown. Yes. Um, well, the benefit of it is, is learning how to deal with, with great different types of personalities. That's one of the benefits. And having kids make you more self-aware of who you are. <laughs> and it's challenging to, the balance of life is actually challenging when you have uh, kids in general, be it one, be it four, be it 14. It doesn't matter. There's just uh, how to balance life. They do teach you organization. <laughs> they give you skills that you didn't know you had. <laughs> So like cooking on time and balancing your work schedule and bringing them to church and talking about life experiences. Uh, very interesting. It's it's a great life. It's challenging, but it's great. <laughs> and now you're in a blended family with Anna yes. Jordan and then your husband, Sam. What yeah. has been something that you've noticed in the dynamic of the relationship between Anna and Jordan and just how they've gotten along or, you know, like sisters fight. I don't know what, what, what have you noticed? <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, it was kind of different for me. Sometimes if, yeah, looking back, sometimes I wish I had been more forceful, but I kind of sat back and let my husband kind of handle things. Jordan, we really depended on her mom as to when we would have Jordan. It was so wonderful when we did get a chance to have Jordan over you know, for like Christmas and all of the holidays, that just brought so much joy to my heart because I truly felt like such a great, cohesive family. I was very grateful because Jordan, my stepdaughter, she is a great kid. She and Anna get along very well. So that part was easy for me. I know that's not always the case in many blended families. So I was thankful. And because we didn't have Jordan, like, most people set a schedule that we're going to have her every other weekend. It was never like that. You know, it was basically when her mom was like, okay, you guys can have her here, here, and here. So it was never anything consistent. And that's the one thing, you know, looking back, I do regret that we didn't have consistency. But I have to tell you, it did cut down on arguing and <laughs> things like that because, you know, whenever we did have Jordan around, it was just a great time and we enjoyed it. And because I guess it wasn't as often they couldn't, they didn't get to the point where they couldn't stand each other. I'll put it like that. <laughs> so just kind of that, because I know that you work as a social worker, it's just, I felt like we were disconnected. The social skills, just a lot of people said just kind of fell by the wayside. What, advice would you give a busy working mom to get their children back on track to be social, to redevelop skills in sharing and being, you know, patient and waiting their turn? That's another good question. <laughs> um, every home is very different. Mm -hmm. And I think that it takes it takes like five minutes or less to really kids are, you know, time, time for children. They don't have a, a, a concept of, of time. I think when you sit and you read a book that's engaging your child, when you sit 
and play a game and you let them lead and you follow their lead and then you narrate. Um, and then you, you know, depending on the child, you could also do board games um, that helps them to wait their turn. And, and then when they, if they lose, which is it's okay to let your child lose, you, you can teach them how to cope with that. You could teach them, okay, you know, not everybody wins and it's okay, you could try again. Or if they persist at building something or drawing something, you can, um, you know, you encourage the efforts because a lot of times we, we wanna encourage the end products is to encourage the efforts. I love the way you're trying positive praise specific praise, mm -hmm. not, not just good job, but what are you doing? That's great or good that you appreciate. And it's, it doesn't need, it doesn't need to be something long and drawn out. It's just neat. It just means that you take the time to shine attention on the things that your child is doing that helps to build skills. Um, if you're able to have, if, if, if you're in the house and you have more than one child, right. that also helps you know, to teach those skills, but it's intentional. So, you know, there's sometimes we, of course, as parents, you allow your child just to play. That's that free time. Mm -hmm. um, but when you want to teach them something, you're, you're joining their play or you're, you know, facilitating their play or you're, you know, as they're engaged, you're highlighting things that, you, you know, you're able to see some of the things that they need help with. So I think play is a great way to um, kind of foster like socializations and, and, and build skills around regulation, um, emotional regulation as well. I think play is a good place to start. Yeah. Wow. That's a <laughs> emotional regulation. I, I like, I like those two words together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> with yourself, with your family, what has mm -hmm. been the joy and then the challenge in raising a boy girl in New York? Um, the fun part is that my kids love music. Mm -hmm. and, and so as a family, we're able to sing and dance and, and do all kinds of craziness together um, just to enjoy each other. Um, what's challenging, I think, with the climate that we're in, in terms of, um, you know, I have children of color, um, raising them, knowing that there's a lot of, you know, there's you no know, racism and there's, you know, expectations that come with, unfortunately, expectations that the world puts on us and the expectations that we could put on ourselves because of what we understand about the world. Mm -hmm. um, just having to explain to them, you know, how to love themselves and how to love who they are, despite what other people might think, um, how to believe in themselves, you know, to not uh, just look at the grades as that's, you know, then you know you're intelligent because you have an A, but to look at the effort, to look at the creativity, to look at the character and that's been a challenge because um, they have experienced teachers or environments that were not always um, building them up mm. and so having to undo that is is my is the work that we do as parents 
as we build them up, you know, to undo the negative, to put in the positive. That's what's been hard with these two. What advice would you give to the busy working mom of a teenager or teenagers? <laughs> Ooh, stay prayed up, girl. Stay prayed up now. <laughs> That's one. I always, yeah. And, you know, seriously, um, besides that, if you're a Christian, absolutely stay prayed up and just be patient. There, There's also things, you know, you have to be able to really kind of and I don't, I don't even pretend to know everything that's going on in my kid's mind, but I do sit and I talk with her. Sometimes they want to talk with you. Sometimes they don't. You have to be cognizant of that too when it's time to like kind of back off. But they'll come to you when there's some issues or problems. Or sometimes you do have to say, hey, what's going on? You know, I noticed that you are you seem to be like this what happened what's going on with you and just make sure you your child feels comfortable with talking with you and talking about anything I think that's very important sometimes they'll come up where there are clashes between the two of you and you have to really kind of get down okay some things you have to let them know no I don't want you to do x y and z or I don't think that you should do X, Y, and Z, and this is the reason as to why. And then also give them time to talk back to you about why they want to do something or why they don't think, you know, or why they don't think it's a big issue. And you let them know why it is an issue and you kind of have that dialogue with your child. I think that's very important to have that open communication. I'm going to pivot, and this is going to be a weird pivot for me. I know, and I got a chance to meet virtually your son. And when we did some virtual parties or things, I want to tell everyone, uh, Michelle has been the person that has been cheerleading a lot of the things that I've done virtually. And it's always good to see how your son cheerleaded you when you would come on and, 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 and host. And I love that introduction when you were like, yeah, this is the young lady I was telling you about. She's a virtual host. She's, a, she's, she's doing stand-up comedy. There's a lot of things she's doing. And I remember recording um, a little bit of what we talked and we had this interaction and I was like, this is so cool. She's got an adult son. And he, he, you know, I'm looking up like, wow, okay, he's handsome. And she's like, yeah, this is my adult son. And he's here and he's visiting. And then unfortunately he passed away. And I, to me, it's out of order for a child to pass away before yeah. the mom, before the parent. Mm -hmm. How have you, how have you been doing and dealing with that? And what has been the lesson learned in, with your son's passing? Um, it hits home here and there. Um, it, when it first happened, it was, it was very shocking. Um, and he, he, he passed away in his sleep and, um, he had, uh, cerebral, um, pulmonary, a pulmonary, um, edema, which is, uh, his brain and his lungs were filled with, uh, fluids, mm -hmm. uh, while he was sleeping. And he didn't wake up. The shock of that all, the process of the shock of it was just, wow. It's like living a bad dream that you couldn't wake up from. And uh, and then the next day, it's like Groundhog Day. 
the movie where you just repeatedly go through that same process of not believing it's happening. You know, um, it's it was really hard. But as I said, prayer, 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 prayer really helped got me through. I mean, I cried a lot, prayed a lot, but I talk about it a lot um, just to help other people to know that the healing that he received is definitely through God and peace. Right. He's at peace. So he was struggling through with a lot of uh, depression and stuff, but uh, through it all, he he is, I feel healed, you know? And uh, that's how I get through it. The peace of knowing that he's no longer suffering with those types of uh, mental illness. <laughs> what would you like to say to all the moms for Mom's Day? First of all, that to be a mom is probably one of the most joyful and hardest jobs we'll ever do. And I will, I would like to say to the moms that you guys are incredible. We're incredible as moms and we have been giving a strength that's beyond words. And that I hope that you um, know that you're incredible. Well, happy Mother's Day to all of the wonderful mothers out there. And um, enjoy your kids while you can. Hug them while you can. Um, love them in spite and despite of who they are. And um, continue to be the great mom that you are. God gave us these blessings. And we need to just relax and enjoy them. But yes, I'm wishing all of the wonderful mothers out there a very happy Mother's Day. All these women have learned how to be a woman of noble character and how to continue to raise their children to the best of their ability. It took work, sacrifice, and patience throughout their parenting journey. Best of all, there are always more lessons to be learned, especially when there are events like a pandemic to move you differently than expected. Let's give a hand to our timeless moms, Michelle Gurley, Carla Paul and Dr. Anita Hill-Jones. I want to thank them all for allowing us to gather a sneak peek into their parenting journey. Over the last few years, during the month of May for myself, there is a double dose of remembering. The celebration of Mother's Day and on May 5th, the death anniversary of my dad, William David Johnson. This year marks 10 years since he passed. And at that time, my mom was around to help me process some of my emotions. I remember traveling to my mom for Mother's Day or she would travel to New York on that special holiday. Our last Mother's Day was spent together in 2018 in Brooklyn. I took my mom to church and still to this day have photos of my friends all posing with my mom, surrounding her with hugs and love. She was a star that day. It was great. We were able to spend that time together. And with my mother's shrinking frame and height, I found myself holding on to her tighter and tighter, looking for any excuse to fly back to Chicago. I remember many of the lessons Rosie taught me, and I know she is still with me in spirit. When you can grow and appreciate a mother's love, there is nothing more precious than that. 
It is heartwarming. It fills us with gratitude and it's timeless, whether your mother is here or not. To my mom, Rosie L. Johnson, I miss you. Thanks, Mama. more with my talks with Michelle Gurley and Anita Hill-Jones, please visit our Interludes YouTube channel. Next time on Interludes, time to have a self-care day. We review a local day spa and talk about how best to treat ourselves to the spa on the next Interludes. Have you seen it? It's the weekly chat with EP Michael Womble, Coach Tony, and Val the Voice Johnson. Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us and other special guests as we break down the latest topics surrounding music, movies, and sports every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live in the chat on our Interludes YouTube channel. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by Interludes Extra Talk on Tuesdays, where we highlight people of color in spaces of television and film. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, or join our Interludes Facebook group, please visit the website linktr.ee forward slash Pure Light Media. Mm -hmm.